Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitaki, and I am really excited for you guys to tune in today's podcast. I've already gotten to talk to um, my guest a little bit today. Her name is Shannon Wilburn. She is the CEO and co-founder of the Just Between Friends franchise. It's the nation's leading children's and maternity consignment sales event. Under her leadership, they have grown to over 150 franchises in more than 30 states. Now, if you have had kids or are about to have kids, you're going to learn a lot about Just Between Friends today. And I'm excited for you to hear about it because this is a big opportunity for you to save a lot of money, especially like if you're just getting started as it, with your family and you don't necessarily want to buy everything new. That's where I was first exposed to Just Between Friends. And to find out that it was actually a local company here in Tulsa uh, got me really excited about the opportunity to kind of see some of the things that people in our community are doing. So uh, with that, Shannon, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm really excited that you're here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And I want to say welcome to the Young Business Women as yes, well. Yes. And um, I'm thankful that you're a customer. That makes me happy. I am. Uh, I do have to find out what age the consignment stuff goes up to because my kids are, I have a seven-year-old and a soon-to-be nine-year-old. So I, I may be you're, aging out. You, I think you are aging out. Really, the clothes go up. It's a children's and maternity consignment event. And so it's really whatever families bring that have to do with children. And but most of the merchandise in our events, probably 70% of it is for ages five and under. Ah. But, but we do, I mean, we go all the way up to girls size 14, 16 and boys size 20. It's just, it becomes a little bit more difficult to find awesome, awesome stuff. So <laughs> well, what I noticed was as the kids actually started walking and getting mobile, all those shoes that were like perfectly pristine, I get, they get worn out now. So I, I could see where like my kids, we would age out because now we got holes in the knees and their toes are you know, they, once they bust out of their shoes, you can't really reuse those. And do you, do you have boys? I have two boys. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and those are even harder to come by because boys just, they wear their clothes out more yes. so than girls. Which so. is good that hopefully that means they're outside having a good time. No kidding. No kidding. I'm well, on. If you'll do me a favor, I, I know a little bit about just between friends because I'm obviously, you know, have kids and kind of been able to dive into it. But if you don't mind, I'd, I would love for you to share your story from kind of where the idea came to you for creating uh, Just Between Friends or just creating yeah. the actual thing that started it all okay. the way up until what, what it's kind of turned into. I'm happy to tell the story. So thanks for asking. And sometimes I wonder how far to go back, but I, I feel like this is an important tidbit of information. So my dad... Um, was a CFO of an oil and gas company. And I've, I have an identical twin sister. And when he was 33, and I 
Um, I think you're pretty close to that age, yeah. Evan. Yeah. But um, he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and went from a cane to a walker to a wheelchair in six weeks and went from a six-figure income at the age of 33 in the early 80s to being on disability. And so we went from having whatever we wanted to being put on a budget as teenage girls. So we were 12 when my dad was diagnosed. And um, so we were put on a clothing budget. And so we got a certain amount of money every month to spend on clothes. And actually, it was for the year. And he was like, you can spend this all in one month or you can make it last through December. But this is this is what you get. I quickly realized that shopping consignment was a way to stretch my dollar. And I had not really had the need to stretch a dollar previously. And um, so I, you know, finished junior high and high school, went off to college, got married and married a pastor. And so my husband was a youth minister at the beginning and, you know, the, that's not a super lucrative position. (laughs) (laughs) Lifestyle job um, as they call it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, um, I knew that I was going to continue shopping consignment for myself. And so when we started having children, it was just natural for me to shop consignment for them. And I um, was an educated, uh, I was educated to be an elementary teacher. And so I was doing that. But when I had two children, I really wanted to stay home. And so we were trying to make that work. And I had told my mom I was like, if you ever hear of anything, uh, you know, that I could do from home or anything where I can make a little bit of extra money to help um, with our budget, let me know. And and she called me one day. She worked with a lot of young moms in the Fort Worth area. She said, Shannon, my friends just got back from this event, and I don't know much about it, but they are. It's a consignment event, and people bring stuff to the event, and people shop at the event. And, but it only lasts a few days and you should do that in Tulsa. And I was like, wow, that sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. But I really, I, I thought about it for a couple of days. And then I called a girlfriend of mine from church and she was the biggest bargain hunter that I knew, like dumpster diving, garage sales every weekend, like, um, kind of doing the same thing. I was trying to make ends meet with our family. And I was like, what do you think about this idea? And she said, that sounds awesome. Can I do it with you? And so that's how our partnership formed. Her name is Devin Tackett and she, she still lives in Tulsa. Um, but we, we really, this is back before internet. If you can imagine life before internet. I can imagine life before internet. <laughs> I'm not uh, that young. <laughs> it it really, I think internet was there, but barely. Uh, this was in 1997. And, uh, but there was no small business presence. Like we couldn't just Google consignment sales and see how to do it. So we just kind of problem solved around things. And we convinced 17 of our friends to bring their gently used children's and maternity clothes to my house in South Tulsa. I had a 1,400 square foot house and they brought it, dropped it off and we uh, clipped loose threads, we fixed zippers, we ironed things, we laundered things, we got stains out and we um, had an event and we sold $2,000 worth of merchandise, um, gently used merchandise. And the families got 60 to 70% on whatever they sold and we um, took home, I think we made $150 each. So we sold $2,000 worth of merchandise uh, in my living room. Someone tried to buy my couch. And <laughs> <laughs> like, that <laughs> is not for sale. I'm like, no, the stuff on the racks is for sale. Nothing else is for sale. Uh, but we used the kitchen drawers as cash drawers. And I think it was the hardest $150 that I've ever made. 
It was a, but, it was a mega garage sale. Yes, it was. After that event, the families that had participated, they got paid for the items um, that they brought. And they're like, when are you going to do this again? And I looked at Devin. I was like, are we doing this again? She's like, I guess we're doing this again. So we moved to, uh, <laughs> we called one of our rich friends who lived in South Tulsa and had a three-car garage mm. and, <laughs> and um, said, can we use your garage? And so our next two events were in her three-car garage. And then we moved to a church gymnasium. And then we kind of got kicked out of the church gymnasium because we were messing up their preschool um, <laughs> program, their preschool, you know, on inside days, their preschoolers couldn't play in the gym because we were in there. I thought you were going to yeah. say you were too rowdy. <laughs> no, no. Uh, we were just taking up space and they needed to get those preschoolers in the gym. <laughs> they couldn't go in there because we were in there. So they said, this is your last time here. So we moved to the uh, Tulsa Fairgrounds. And what I didn't, I mean, it was a huge leap of faith to move there because it was really expensive um, compared to what we were paying at the church in South Tulsa. But I think the Lord knew what he had in mind for the business because um, it took off there. So we were rattling around in there the first event, but people became used to the JBF sale was coming around every six months and it would be in the same building around the same time of year. And it really created kind of a frenzy for people wanting to participate. And it grew from 17 families participating in my living room to um, probably doing about $220,000 in sales per event. So, so getting close to half a million dollars in sales. And um, we thought at that time, Devin and I looked at each other, we're like, our sales never going to be any bigger. We're the biggest in the country in our minds. We really didn't know, but in our minds, no one could be bigger than, you know, this sale. (laughs) Who would be crazy enough to do something bigger than this? Right, this is crazy. And so we thought, well, we're doing two hundred and twenty thousand dollars in sales at this event, and it's not going to get any bigger. For for about the previous three years, we had helped people get started in their area, right? So they were starting events in their area with our help. And again, back to the no business training, we were like, sure, use the name (laughs) just between friends. Yeah, absolutely. You're in Colorado. Here's the name. No, no worries. And it was really nice of you. (laughs) Well, I took a, I took a web design class and started a website and they were all, um, they were looking, they were like, Oh, okay. You are doing this in other places. Now, granted we weren't franchising, but we we started doing these events in other places and I became overwhelmed because I had another job. Yeah. So I was like, I am I'm helping people in California, Colorado, Florida, Texas do JBF, and then I have this this other job selling advertising for a Christian publication, and then I have the events and I had two kids and two dogs and <laughs> and, a, and a youth pastor's wife. And so I was just like, this is crazy. And I think I was complaining one day to one of my clients and he said, Well, Shannon are those businesses, you know, is your business profitable? I'm like, yeah. And he said, and it's already working well in California and Colorado and Florida and Texas. And I was like, yeah, he was like, well, you should just franchise. He made it sound so easy. Oh yeah. Just (laughs) franchise it. No big deal. Uh, Yeah. And he said, you just put a contract together and put an operations manual together and you just sell a business in a box. And I was like, wow, that's it. Sounds great. So we met with the franchise attorney and asked a lot of questions and we talked to um, some other people. We had connections with, you know, people that we knew in the franchising industry and we asked them some questions and we thought, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this. We prayed about it. And I went that day and 
bought the book Franchising for Dummies. There really is a book, <laughs> Franchising for Dummies. And I read it from cover to cover. Uh, but it gave me lots of information. And so that's kind of how our franchise started. And we went to those franchisee, those, well, they weren't franchisees at the time, the independent owners who were using our name. And we asked them to be our first franchisees. So yeah. that's kind of how it started. And, you know, we bootstrapped the franchise system. So we borrowed money from the profitable business to start the franchise system in 2004. Yeah. And yeah. again, back to the, we thought we weren't growing the Tulsa business anymore. And this was kind of a way to scale and, you know, make money another way and help other people do what we're doing because it blessed so many people. And um, the Tulsa business continued to grow and wow. continued to grow while alongside the franchise system. <laughs> so we were um, we were just growing both of the businesses at the same time, and it became overwhelming to run two businesses. And so um, Devin and I in. 2011, we reorganized the company, and she and her husband took the Tulsa business as 100% owners, and I took the franchise system as 100% owner. Okay. So if you have any listeners out there that have a business and they want to franchise, my, my first piece of advice is just to let them know that they are getting out of the business that they are in. So whether it's the, you know... I don't know, they're baking cookies in their house or whatever. They are going to be getting out of the baking cookies business into the franchise business. Yeah. It's a completely different industry. So I'm no longer in the consignment sale industry. I am in the franchise industry, which yeah. means supporting franchisees, selling franchises, um, making sure the technology is working, taking care of legal issues and legislative issues and all that kind of stuff. You know, back to my elementary education degree, stuff that I was not prepared <laughs> to take care of. So I really, I have no idea how we've gotten to the size we are. I, I know it's the Lord um, and it is, it's, it's definitely his company and I surround myself with smart people who know what they are doing and I, I can't believe I get to run this company still. There's, there's so much there and I appreciate you going into that level of detail because sure. I think sometimes when you're a side, sidepreneur or you're, yes. you're, you're, you're doing this thing and you're like, man, I think this might have legs, but you just don't really know. You kind of start to see some of those clues, right? Like you, you have those conversations where the guy basically goes to you and says – it makes a lot of sense to franchise this because it's actually already working. Yes. And it's it was there the whole time. But <laughs> by having somebody kind of say it to you, was that like those next couple of days you were just like, you know what? I think he's right. I don't know that I really felt like, oh, this is really going to work because I I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. And having no business training, no podcast like this to listen to, it was really just intuition and praying and, you know, trying to follow what I felt like the Lord was telling me to do. And I, I remember in 2011 when we reorganized the company, it sounds so silly now to even to, to think back to this. But in 2011, when we reorganized the company, I had never been in business by myself before, right? So Devin yeah. had been by my side growing the Tulsa business and Devin had been by my side growing the franchise business. And I, I had this moment of fear when we were 
getting ready to sign on the dotted line that I was going to be a hundred percent owner in something. And I called my sister, who's one of my spiritual mentors. She's, she's amazing. She lives in Dallas. And I, and I was crying to her on the phone. I'm like, ah, what have I done? You know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I can run this business by your, by myself. And she, she really got mad at me. And she said, Shannon, you are not running this business by yourself. Oh. This is, this is the Lord's business and you are yoked with the Lord. This is his business. And when you don't know what to do, he's going to carry. I mean, just, I mean, it's so biblical. <laughs> and, but it was, it was right in front of me. And, um, man, I'm telling you what, that is something that gives me peace because there are many, many times that I don't know what to do. Yeah, no, I don't know which path to take. And, and I'm like, okay, Lord, just direct me and give me discernment and wisdom. And I'm right there with you because, yeah. like, getting to that point where, you you can no longer depend on yourself and i yeah <laughs> and, and for me it happened in uh it was probably like 2012 2013 yeah and i was i was in there i was the company was successful things were going great then the the bottom fell out a little bit and then it yep. kind of fell out a little bit more and i'm like oh my gosh maybe i don't know what i'm doing and <laughs> it, like it, it was this false sense of reality that i was like you know what i can do this i've I've got the experience. I've got the relationships. This is going to go. And then this curveball came in and completely knocked me off my feet. And I was sitting there going, I don't know what to do. And it was at that point that I realized that it's not because of me, that yeah. everything that all the success that I've, <laughs> I've gathered and, and thing, I, I put in the work, I put in the time I did kind of what I was supposed to do, but that, that wasn't me. And and yeah. I, once I came to that realization, the the fear went away and the peace came in. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people when they're looking at jumping into either entrepreneurship or taking a big leap of faith like what you're talking about, mm-hmm. I think that fear comes in because it's it's one of those things where it's, it's natural to be afraid of that because you don't know. Yeah. But as you were talking about what your sister was saying, I actually got the same like where I am now, yeah. kind of the same uh, excitement because I was sitting there going – you are about to embark on a really awesome journey. You're about to <laughs> learn so much about yourself. You're about to learn how much you can really trust God. And once you kind of figure that out, and I think you're there, but once you figure that out, that piece is amazing because you're, you're, you kind of look back and say, wow, all of the things that I've accomplished, all the things that I've done, it's not because of me. It's because of God. I can't make customers come to me. Yes. I can create the yep. event. I can do all these things. I can put the advertising out there, but that doesn't make them pick up the phone and that doesn't make them walk in the door. Yep. And at some point when you're planting a seed, you got to let it grow <laughs> and having that moment happen. And, and when it's personal to you, like I can say it as much as I want on this podcast and you can say it till you're blue in the face, but until you really see it happen, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, man, I 100% agree. Thank you for letting me tell that. <laughs> no, absolutely. And and that, see, that's the things that I like sharing on here because success leaves clues, right? And so as we yeah. learn from other people, as we see successful people, one of the things that was like really, I guess, relieving to me, but uh, something that kind of uh, helped me a lot, we talked about Sean Copeland. Uh, I, was a ment- I was mentored by Sean Copeland for yes. a, a year, a couple years ago, and he made a statement that it literally felt like a load was taken off my shoulders. And I looked at Sean as, as a very successful person. He was one of the youngest bank owners and like 
that he knew, but I, I yeah. think in the history of banking. So he, he rocketed to success and did all these things. And he made the statement that he felt like he, like they were going to find out that he didn't really know <laughs> what he was doing. And, That's and, so true. And, and that, and they were going to come and like, say, you're not president anymore. And <laughs> when he said that, and I kind of looked at him, I was like, that you just read my mail. Like I felt like that <laughs> a couple of years ago and, and to hear him say that and be like, okay, this is something that's normal. These feelings are normal. And I need to find a way to surround myself with more people that have been through these kinds of things yeah. because that's going to help me because I slept really good that next night. <laughs> it's good. I read a, um, I read a blog not too long ago that really resonated with me. In fact, I've sent it to several people. Um, and I, and I, oh, I can't remember the guy's name who wrote it, but, um, I'll have to send it to y'all go dig in my email and find it. But it, but the title of the blog is maybe this is what success feels like. <laughs> and he goes, he goes on. I mean, he, he talks about all the great things that have happened in his business. Right. Yeah. And, um, Oh, I think it's the guy who it's called becoming a minimalist. Okay. So he has several books out there and several, you know, they've been on TV shows, this and whatnot. And, and he's like, but, but I still like, feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And maybe this is just what success feels like. Maybe it feels like someone's going to find out that you don't know what you're doing. You know, I mean, it's that, but it was totally, I was like, oh my gosh. So I sent this to like several, you know, my business friends. I'm like, this is, this is how I feel all the time. (laughs) What you're talking about is being uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Getting outside of that comfort zone. And and I think what happens is we get to a point in our careers, we get to a point in our life and we're comfortable. Right. And we're, we're like, you know what? Things are good. I'm, I'm doing okay. Like uh, I'm good. I'm just going to stay here. And it's just so warm (laughs) and fuzzy. It's like, you know, waking up in the morning and those bed covers are really heavy. You don't want to get out. You're like, I'm really comfortable right now, (laughs) but you got to get out of that bed. You got to push yourself beyond comfortability to discomfort because when discomfort happens, that's where you get things like endurance. And you you think about somebody who's running a marathon, um, that discomfort of training for a marathon actually creates the thing that allows you to finish the marathon. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, one of the things that you were talking about was, um, when you, when you didn't have a lot of money and you had to do consignment shopping, I yep. thought of the quote, necessity is the mother of all invention, because yeah. you had a need and yep. you found consignment to essentially get the clothing that you needed. But to the next extent, if necessity is the mother of all invention, then I believe that discomfort is the father of innovation. And what happened was, is you took that discomfort of trying to find all that consignment stuff on a consistent basis and you innovated and actually created something to alleviate that, which pretty much anybody who has kids, that's a, that's a pain point for them is where do I get right. these clothes? And it's so expensive. I mean, yep. it just, it, you, you essentially created something from that discomfort and that discomfort had you not kind of pushed out to, um, continue to grow it, to take that leap of faith, to go beyond, you know, the church gymnasium into the, uh, the Tulsa fairgrounds. That was probably really uncomfortable too. But had yes. you not done that, you probably wouldn't be where you are today. Oh, you're speaking my language. <laughs> I, um, 
No, I don't think anyone likes to go through the discomfort. And when things aren't going well in your business, trying to figure out why and um, working on problem solving around them and feeling like a failure, I will tell you, I've got a girlfriend who's going through some litigation in her franchise business, and which that's not unusual. Yeah. Um, it is uh, franchising is highly litigious. Um, something someone else, you know, no one told me <laughs> when we. <laughs> When we started franchising. That wasn't in and, franchising for dummies? Uh, no. <laughs> maybe it was. Maybe I skipped over that. I am quite the positive person. So I probably was like, I don't want to read that part. <laughs> That's way too negative. Let's skip over That's that. That's right. That's right. You know, she was just talking about feeling like a failure. And and someone shared a quote with me one time that um, failure is not final. It's only feedback. Yes. And you have to have failure in your business. You have to have failure in your life, right? to be able to make a better decision next time and do something different next time because uh, we're not all gonna know exactly what to do. Like that's why you date guys before you get married to a guy and you make mistakes with, you know, you figure out what you like, what you don't like. And so then that when you get married, hopefully you choose someone and you're not going to make as many mistakes. Yeah. Um, the same in business when you when you make a mistake you learn from it and it doesn't mean you are a failure it means that idea or that decision was a failure yeah. <laughs> um, and that just to get up I think I think probably the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is how you handle failure yeah failure is not fine yeah. failure is only final if you give up if you quit that's right so you, that's ha you have to carry on you got to pick yourself up I mean you fall down six times you get up seven and that's, that's really, uh, again, pushing yourself because it's uncomfortable to yeah. try to rebound from failure. But you mm -hmm. look at some of the most successful people, and I, I think it was actually Sean that talked about it. There's a website called FamousFailures.com, and oh, you can read yeah, all the stories of, like, really famous people like – you know, Michael Jordan's high school coach and uh, like what he had to say about him or how many times Abraham Lincoln failed at running for political office or how many times Thomas Edison uh, tried to invent the light bulb and failed. I mean, there's that's just that's part of it. And I think a lot of times, especially uh, for the millennial generation, which I lock myself into, um, the millennial generation is all they see the success. They see the promotion and they want that. But they don't understand or they haven't really kind of caught the understanding of that it, it's a process. And, right. And, and it, it takes time. You don't just – just because you show up and just because you do these things, it does not mean that you're somebody that I'm going to promote. Um, I actually tell a lot of people that when I hire them, I said if you come into the office and you do exactly what I hired you to do, there is no reason for me to ever give you a raise. Because you're yeah. doing the job that I hired you to do. But if you're going beyond, you're going that extra mile, you're doing those additional things, you will be promoted very quickly if you do those things like that. Because I'm going to recognize that my life is a story of that. I created a lot of the positions that I was in just because I knew that it needed to happen. We had John right. G. Miller on who wrote The Question Behind the Question, which is a phenomenal yeah. book. And he talked about that that self uh, uh, being self aware in terms of not just asking the question why is other people not doing this, asking yourself the question what can I do to fix this, and if you approach things Ooh, from that mentality, yeah. It, it I wish I was taking notes things. on on this podcast. Right? <laughs> it's not too late. It's not too late. <laughs> Well, the good news is, is that you'll be able to listen to it over and over again Yay. and hopefully share with your friends. 
Well, uh, one one question I did want to ask you. We've we've gone kind of a lot of different directions, and I, and and I'm really enjoying this. But one thing I did want to hit on before we run out of time is just between friends uh, originated out of a necessity. But I believe part of the reason that it's successful is you're able to bless other people. You're able mm-hmm. to uh, help people sell their stuff, so that's a blessing. And you're also able to help people like you when you were in that position, uh, who you know you didn't have a lot of money. Uh, you're able to help yep. people like that, and so. I believe that there, there's a little, there's a biblical principle and there's some reciprocity that uh, to be blessed, you must first be a blessing. And I think by doing that, uh, Just Between Friends is an example of what that looks like in the real world. And so I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that in, in terms of what you've seen as a result of being a blessing to other people and uh, how it's really helped Just Between Friends grow. You know, when we started Just Between Friends, it 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 was for selfish reasons, right? It was like, I need to clothe my children and I don't have any money. And how can I do that? And, um, it wasn't, it wasn't to get rich. And if you're a JBF owner, I'm sorry, but you're probably not going to get rich. You, You could make a nice living if you're a great, you know, a great owner and you work really hard and you create great relationships and you, you know, operations and administration and marketing. Right. But it's not, it's not easy. Um, so we, it's not like I set out to, you know, bless all these people. Unfortunately, I'd like for, I'd like for that to be the case. But after the event was over, we were left with just, you know, tons of items, either stuff people didn't come pick up because they didn't want to come back up there. And, um, you know, the first few sales, it was going home with me. I was like, well, I guess I'm going to keep this stuff until someone drives by my house and picks it up. And (laughs) then we realized they don't want it. They don't want it back. And so we started partnering with, um, local nonprofits. And so now all of our franchises in 30 states, they all um, partner with local nonprofits in their area where they are able to give back the unsold items um, at the event if families want to do so. So if you if you sell something and you want to come back and pick it up, by all means, come back and pick it up if it, if it hasn't sold at the end of the event. But if you don't want it back um, and you want to bless someone in the process, then all of our franchises benefit in part local nonprofits like Family and Children's Services or yeah. here in Tulsa, Emergency Infant Services and Catholic Charities. And, you know, uh, I think we have probably like 300 different nonprofit partners involved in our company. We have not done a great job about telling that story about, you know, the nonprofit side of, you know, how consigners, because it's not really the franchisees that are doing the giving, it's the families, right? The Mm -hmm. community who has has these unsold items. So um, a couple of years ago, I just, I really felt convicted by the Lord. And um, that's a whole nother story. (laughs) But (laughs) I... I knew just had that revelation again, someone had a word for me like this, Shannon, this is not your company. Like you, you need to be more about giving back and look for ways that you can give back. And, um, I read the book, the go giver. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you've read that, but I would I recommend that. Oh my gosh. Oh, it was so good. I was just like, <laughs> Oh, this is, this is awesome. And so our, at our next national conference, I, I had, purchased, you know, 150 books. And um, I gave, I told a, a heartwarming story that made everybody cry. And then I gave everybody a, a go-giver book. And I told them to go back into their community, read the book, go back in their communities and look for ways to bless people. And so it has been, it, last year was a really fun year yeah. because um, we were able to hear about stories in the communities 
uh, where we have franchises and we actually gave away, we did, we did a series of videos called the good work, good works between friends, where we had a videographer go to seven different cities and, and get footage of how these franchises and how these consigners are the donations and other ways are blessing families within the community. And then this past year, um, actually this past January, we just, uh, we gave away our very first community impact award. So people had to submit ways. So, so it's a, you know, it's recognition, but it's, I think some people uh, need a little bit of encouragement sometimes to go beyond themselves because it's not really natural for us to want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to say that that was my idea from the beginning, Evan, but it wasn't. And it just, the concept lends itself to giving back, right? Because yeah. the, the, the business owner wins by making money. The consigner wins by being able to sell their items and make some money for their family and the shopper wins because they're saving 50 to 90% off of retail when they go to these events. It benefits in part a nonprofit. And so again, I'd like to say that was my idea, but it <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't something that I set out to do, but I'm 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 happy to facilitate that among our franchisees and motivate them and encourage them to do that. Well, it may I not have been your idea. But yeah. by being in tune with your business and, 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 and being willing to take those ideas, I think that's, that's just as important as having it be your idea because you're ultimately yeah. the person that makes the decision, right? So yeah. you're going to set the tone. You're going to cast the vision for what Just Between Friends is. And it ultimately comes down to if you are you know, one of those leaders who just says, it's my way or the highway and only my ideas are good ideas, you would have completely missed that. But by being in tune with your people and creating an environment that they feel comfortable to share those kinds of ideas, I think you, again, you may not have the actual credit for coming up with the idea, but you do get credit for implementing it. And I think (laughs) that, I think that's just as important. Well, thank you. I'll take that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, one of the things that I believe has really helped the young businessmen of Tulsa grow is every single luncheon that we have, we find a pay it forward initiative. And the whole purpose of it is is we get about 120 men together to listen to a speaker, to uh, learn more about each other and to be around like-minded individuals. But one of the things that I realized Uh, as we were doing that is if we just get together and just hear from like invest in ourselves, I feel like we're doing the community a disservice. And uh, we're, we're strong proponents of the business community is ultimately one of the communities that can affect change, change in culture, change in uh, community, change in all sorts of different things because business leaders do have a major role in the community. And so what we wanted to do is we wanted to find ways to show our upcoming younger generation and ourselves that it is important to give back. And as we did that, I believe the more people that I've talked to about Young Businessmen of Tulsa, uh, the more people have said that that was the one reason that they decided to come back month wow. after month was That's because, awesome. because they saw that we were doing something. It wasn't about a stagnant group. And, and there's a lot of groups out there. And, and by no means am I trying to uh, say that I'm, we're better than any of those other ones. But what I am saying That's is wrong. you one, are one of the reasons that is <laughs> it's been able to grow at the rate that it's been able to grow is because of having that community mindset that that pay it forward and give back to the community thing. And so I applaud you for implementing that uh, in your business. And I, I really hope that more businesses do things like that. Because again, going back to that millennial generation, yep. they are very socially conscious. Yep. And they like to be a part of something. Yep. And so if you can do that with your organization, that helps keep them engaged. 
and they feel like they're the ones doing it. And that right there helps them, uh, and, and not just them, but anybody, enjoy coming to work every day. Right, right. Because it's above and beyond just them. It I love is, it. It is. We, there's something that I can do by myself, and I can make a little impact. But when we come together as a group, we can make a much larger impact. We, uh, we've done things like you know buying groceries for a single mother who, who just couldn't afford food for her kids, all the way to helping uh, a, a person with cancer pay for a wedding. Um, we, wow. helped, we helped a guy uh, who started – he was a young entrepreneur. We actually got him the technology so that he could actually communicate with the outside world. I mean there's just so many cool things. And, and a good friend of mine, Emeka, uh, he actually – he's in a wheelchair. And so he was starting to get around, but he couldn't do all the things that he wanted to do. And we were actually the last amount of money that he needed to purchase a van so that he could actually be mobile again and have freedom in the community. So to hear stories like that and see things like that – it's phenomenal. I'm sure you guys have uh, a lot of really cool stories of being able to give back to that community as well. Man, I'm, I'm thinking you just brought this full circle because when I started off this conversation, I told you that my dad went from a cane to a walker to a wheelchair yeah. in, six, in six weeks and someone bought us a van. And that is, oh, man, because that you, you take away someone's ability to be mobile and it just, unfortunately, it it changes their life and um they gave you hope you give them, yes they yes. gave you hope cuz you were in, you were in despair he was in despair he probably felt like you know he had everything you know yeah. by by the by the collar and next thing you know uh he's yep. he's lost a lot of that and that can really tear a person apart to have that yes. mobility again and yep. to be able to go out there oh man that's just it, it changes your world that's awesome. Well, that, oh, that's so fun. Uh, do you do you put do you put those stories out there anywhere? We uh, we do. Uh, so there's a young businessman of uh, Tulsa. There's a YouTube page where we'll actually okay. have some of the uh, updates on, on some of the pay it forward initiatives uh, that we do. We just did one for um, the Art Alliance. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're an organization that gives back to all the the like Tulsa Youth Symphony and the high okay. schools for supplies and those kinds of things. We were at our luncheon, last luncheon, we were able to raise over $2,000 to give to the Art Alliance that goes to 60-some-odd different funds to help them put fine arts back into schools and invest in fine arts programs. And so, you know, it's it's all sorts of things. There's a The need out there is great. And yes. if we can, first of all, recognize it and be willing to participate and, and help Again, that's where I think the business community comes into play. And, and if we have a good, healthy, thriving community, then we'll have good, healthy businesses. So it almost feeds itself a little bit. Agreed. Well, kudos to you and your organization for uh, making that happen. That's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't mean for it to be a YBT commercial. but No, uh, no, no. It's, it's very cool. I didn't know y'all did that. I'm going to have to go look at your uh, YouTube channel. Absolutely. And you go as you know as we talked about before you're more than welcome to come into the uh, to the events it's the second monday of every month at tiamo's at 61st and sheridan uh, but also come. for the podcast too i mean our podcast is designed for anybody uh really we want to help that next generation but there's a lot of people out there that you know things that we're talking about today that i'm sure that they'll they'll really connect with so shannon thank you for sharing your story with our group and and really taking the time to be transparent. Uh, I appreciate it. And I'm really excited to, to share this with our audience. So is there anything that you want to kind of leave everybody with? I'm just, man, if you want transparency, we'll have to have another podcast because we can do it. Let's do <laughs> I, it. Got all, I got all kinds of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but thank you for having me truly. Thank you. You're welcome. 
Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.